I think it's a great time for builders. If you can start working on something, if you can, uh, you know, raise a seed round, raise some angel investment, some of the best companies are built in tough times like this. And I think the demands of scaling revenue and revenue fast, and all that type of stuff has kind of gone out the window and allows the builders sometimes to really sit down and focus on, you know, building an enduring product and not something that's just going to be, you know, quick pop. And then, you know, we realize it doesn't have product market fit after it's raised 10 million bucks. You know, it's like, here's something that, you know, you can actually take your time and build an enduring product. So I think if you're, if you want to start something, you know, this year is a great time to do it. Behind the scenes, it was a small group of people that were doing everything. Slow is smooth and smooth is fast. I want to know how this insane growth actually happened. What are you doing when no one's around, no one's looking? Are you just showing up and doing the minimum? Or are you approaching it like a pro? Be a student of the game. Alrighty, we are back in action. What's up, everyone? Thanks for hanging out with us. Happy 2023. Mr. Altschiller, how are we doing? How was your holidays, my friend? Doing great. Holidays were, uh, were amazing. Got to spend a lot of time with the kids which is always fun. We had, you know, a lot of days off there. So on, on the, on like one side, it's like, oh man, what a, what a, like a negative momentum event to have in the middle of like a fundraise. It's just like, okay, holidays are here. Nothing gets done for four, like 10 to 14 days. Everybody's offline. And then you got to like reaccelerate at the other side of that. So from, from that side of things, it's like, oh man, crappy timing. From a life standpoint, it's a good time to recalibrate, you know, do some thinking work, always, Always a good prompt, right? Start of a new year to to kind of reimagine, reconfigure the lifestyle, and get that thinking work uh, work done. Get the goal setting work done. You know, figure out what's important. Spend time with family, and you know, I, I, I'm I'm OCD, so you know, I had to get all the cars cars washed. You know, at the end of the new year, got the house cleaned, got everything all set up for you know a nice uh, January first. So, you know, feeling good. Did a lot of Christmas experiences. Uh, you know, so that was all fun with the kids. What about you? That was great, man. I mean, I hear you on the the shitty timing for for fundraising. It feels like it's a big like pause button, but the world is paused. So I think it is a definitely a good time to to reflect. I got to spend a ton of time with my nieces. I got to see my parents who were giving me shit. I haven't been over there in I think nine months. So I <laughs> spent spent some good time with them. Had a lot of fun. I feel like I definitely recalibrated and excited for the new year. You uh, rocking the GTM fun hat mostly because my my barber was closed for the last two weeks, so nice. <laughs> we got to we got to make that happen. But so before we dive into sort of a recap of 2022, it's where I want to spend a, a bulk of this conversation, and then talk about some of our plans for 2023 and 24. We've teased a few of them uh, online on LinkedIn, but let's let's talk resolutions. We both just recalibrated, you know, recouped a little bit. Uh, what you got this year? What's what's the Max Altschuler resolutions for 2023? Yeah, you know, a lot of the stuff was fairly standard. You know, how I break things out into like, you know, finance, health, relationships, family, things like that. You know, I think as I get older, you know, more deeper, uh, I'd say fewer deeper relationships, less shallow relationships. And it's funny, you know, my career arc has kind of gone in that direction with it. And I, I did a post on LinkedIn about that today, but, you know, finding my my new identity after a decade of being the sales hacker guy and the outreach guy. And for a long time, I was kind of like a man of the people. Like I kind of had to, with sales hacker as a media company, I was a middleman between a lot of folks, buyers, vendors, you name it. 
And I have a very large network of people that, you know, have my cell phone number, have my email address that I interact with that I like very much. I mean, there are a lot of, you know, I'm not fake. These are great people. We have great interactions, but I don't speak to them that often. And with Sales Hacker, it was kind of like growing that network and, you know, building good relationships with folks. But I wasn't able to get that deep with that many people. You know, I still had a really good network of folks that I was deep with. And I think the fund is a is almost like a transition to that, where it's like it's going to be fewer relationships, but much deeper relationships. I mean, these are with, with Sales Hacker, people that wasn't as transactional, like they were free readers or subscribers and in often cases, you know, paid very little to attend conferences, things like that. Now I have, you know, we have people investing tens if not hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars with us on the LP side. And then companies that we're investing hundreds of thousands of dollars into, uh, if not more than that, on behalf of RLPs. So it's interesting to see, you know, the career like translate to, you know, the goals of my personal life, which is to, to build kind of maybe less, but deeper relationships with folks instead of just a ton of, you know, very shallow relationships. And, and there's nothing wrong with those shallow relationships per se. I, you know, I, I enjoy that as well. But I think at this age, with the time that I have to dedicate towards work and other people outside of my family, you start to have to get really selective and at two kids that are now moving into like real humans, you really have to be selective about that. So that's probably the big, the big New Year's resolution for me. Other than that, you know, really enjoying the the time uh, that we're spending on the fund and what we're doing with the fund. And you know, one of these interesting learnings about as I've I've done this work on myself is like, what are the things I'm doing as a VC that I I've you know already done in the past, which is like sales, marketing, recruiting for companies, all those types of things. Really great community building. All that stuff's in my repertoire. But the new things are carving out time for reading, learning, listening to podcasts, current events. Like when you're a VC, you have to be a historian, a scientist, an economist, you know, in some cases an environmentalist. You know, so there's all these different things, you know, a psychologist, which, you know, helps with our sales and marketing background. But like we've got a lot of these things. But now when I look at my work schedule, you know, from an, from an operator where I was, you know, in OKRs, in one-on-ones, in board meetings, and then, you know, conducting heads down tactical work to roll up to a higher level strategy. And it was just like nonstop. And you got these little glimpses, you know, of air to come up and like look around and, and recalibrate. Now it's like this constant recalibration. Now it's this constant learning and evolution of, getting out of meeting time, getting out of tactics and strategies and all that kind of stuff, coming up for air and saying, okay, well, where is the world going? Based off of, you know, history, what have, what I, have I learned about the scenario that we're in right now? And if you understand history, you can understand market cycles. If you understand science, you can understand, okay, like, hey, is this a flash in the pan or something that's a ton of hype? Or is, you know, a technology for that matter in some cases? Or is this something that actually, you know, is the, is the future? That, you know, something that we should get behind in a, in a massive way. You know, understanding psychology, the way people interact, the way people move. We've made a bunch of investments around that. Companies like Breathing.ai, one of them that I think is, you know, pretty revolutionary that has, you know, some patents around the, you know, the camera and the screen and understanding kind of human emotion and human, uh, like facial, you know, recognition and stuff like that and what people are going through. And there could be breakthroughs in mental health. There could be breakthroughs in just even, you know, uh, company employee relationships, things like that. So, you know, it's really interesting. I, I, I find that my 
calendar and the time that I spend, you know, is different from my working hours than it has been in my entire career, where some of the work where I would consider work, like sitting in front of a computer screen, answering emails, taking phone calls, I've, I've taken a lot of that out of my calendar and moved in time of, you know, learning about a lot of different things and then understanding the right questions to ask. So that like when there's an area where we have to make a decision quick, it's not worth it for me to go and spend a ton of time learning about something. If I can just go to one of our LPs, tap them on the shoulder, they're an expert in that area and get to the bottom of the right questions, you know, that, that, that we need to be, uh, you know, answering. So it's great that we have this LP network. Every LP acts as a node for, Deal flow and diligence, you know, in their region, their their sphere of their sphere of influence, expertise, whatnot, their industry, their job title. Um, so we're able to tap into that, which is great. But there's still a lot of work that we need to do there. So from a re- resolution standpoint, um, I think a lot has changed uh, over the last you know year for us. Uh, no longer the sales hacker and outreach guy, now full time the fun person. And you know, what does that mean? for me and having to make that transition. So I think my key takeaways for this is, um, you know, you'll get you, from, from following us on LinkedIn and following us here, you'll still get a ton of that sales and marketing content, but you're also going to get a lot of the VC uh, type stuff now. Um, and then I think, you know, we all need to do that work on ourselves on a yearly basis. And whether you have drastic changes like us, where, you know, me, for example, 10 years of being the sales hacker outreach guy ended on August 2nd. Now I'm full-time, you know, the GTM fund guy. And I never really take a second to, you know, really chill with that. You know, I just go straight into action. And so it was good time to spend a little bit of time at the end of the year and, you know, take a moment and understand, okay, like, let's have, let's have some awareness around what's going on here. Let's have some acceptance around, okay, this is the change that's happened. Now, what is the action that we want to put into place going forward instead of, you know, diving straight into it? So, you know, it's good to do that exercise, I think, for everybody. And in my LinkedIn, you can see kind of some of the goal setting stuff that I do. Uh, If you go to my LinkedIn and you go to my posts, you can see kind of that recent activity there. Yeah. I mean, I feel like I'm going through a lot of the same things where where we're sharing that is like I'm really trying to cut down on the busy work. And I know a lot of what got us both here was saying yes to a lot of things. You know, if someone reached out on LinkedIn and was like, hey, can I have 20 minutes of your time? I'm, I'm wrestling with this. You know, you and I used to always, or at least I did say yes. And now I have to kind of go against my instincts and be like, listen, I almost have a fiduciary duty <laughs> to not take this call. It's probably better if I spend that time with one of our portfolio companies, one of our LPs doing research on a category we like. And so it's like threading that needle a little bit where it's giving back things like this, this podcast allows us to do that more at at scale and not so much on the one-to-one, but it's certainly interesting, you know? And for me, over the course of the last, you know, two weeks on holidays, for me, it's just been about going back to the basics. I think for me, 2023 is going to be a year of, you know, health and going back to the things that, that got me here, which was reading a shitload, meditating, exercising, all those things that you sort of sacrifice when you get deep into the weeds like we did in 21 and 22, which was an intense time as we were building the fund. You know, some of those habits get pushed to the side. Do you want to quickly run through your, your goal setting? I think I think it's a great exercise. You want to do a quick abridged version of that? So. You know, one of the exercises I like to do, and again, it's written out in 
recent LinkedIn post of mine. So you can go to post uh, activities, then posts of mine and, and check it out. It says how I set my New Year's goals. But I open up a Google Doc and then I write my 2022 year in review. And when I do that, I actually go through my Google Calendar and simultaneously my photo album in my like iPhone or you could use Insta or whatever you want. And you can just scroll through and remember all the stuff you did in 22. It's great exercise because you kind of go through it and you're like, wow, I did all this stuff. Like, it kind of makes you feel a little bit better about the year that you just had. It should, hopefully. But, you know, you'll see people that you liked and didn't like. You'll see things that you liked and didn't like. You'll see places that you liked and didn't like. And it's good to note all of those things. So I think writing that down, going through the year, kind of doing a little review on that, really healthy. Uh, next, put it together a three to five year plan. It's like, what do you want? You know, your 2026 self or your 2028 self, where do you want them to be? Uh, where do you want to be in three to five years? I think it's good to, to kind of help begin with the end in mind. And, and that's far enough along where you kind of, you're on this path right now. Things are going to change. Things are going to pivot for you. You never know what's going to happen, but that kind of gets you a little bit, that kind of gets you somewhere. And then, you know, you work in the middle of that. So you've got your, your past, your future. Now it's time to set your 2023 goals. So I like five buckets five, you know, goal buckets and then under each goal, maybe three bullet points. And so, you know, I, I do physical, business, relationships, mental and personal. And under physical could be, you know, weight loss. Under business could be income goal. Under relationships, it could be for me now, like hours of time with the kids I spend daily or weekly, you know, and that's quality time, you know, phone away type time, I think is very important to define it. And then, you know, mental could be meditation or other things that you do. Personal could be travel days, cities that you go to, things like that, other stuff. And then you want to make sure the goals are things you can control, of course, quantifiable. So instead of saying, I want to lose weight, you say, I want to, lo- I want to get down to, you know, this many pounds or this percent body fat, whatever it is. And you want to make them hard but realistic. If you make them too easy, you finish them by month six and then you fall apart. If you make them too hard you kind of get unmotivated by them, you know, early on. So, you know, make them somewhat realistic. And I wrote a lot more about these types of things. Um, I wrote a book called Career Hacking for Millennials. It's, I should have just named it Career Hacking. It's really for everybody. But, uh, you know, take a look at that if you want more around, you know, this type of, of goal-setting work. And I think, you know, every year I kind of put a little different twist or different spice on it, things like that. I mean, as I've grown up and have done this goal setting work, I've went from single to in a relationship to, you know, in a relationship with kids. So there's been a lot of different, you know, moving parts and things have kind of come and gone, you know, from that. So, you know, feel free to make it your own, but I think it's, it's, it's helpful to get intentional to start the year. It's helpful to kind of do this at the, the beginning of the year and then maybe like a midway check-in, you know, put it on your calendar now for, you know, a three, four hour block in July and just say, you know, Sunday afternoon or Monday morning, hey, here's how I'm, how I'm doing on this. Yeah. And as a ridiculously action-oriented person, uh, like many leaders probably listening to this, it's super important to look back and reflect. Uh, is uh, is parent hacking coming out anytime soon? No, I'm lost on that one. I got a, <laughs> I got a couple other books I'll put out before parent hacking. Yeah, it's one of those things where... Um, you know, there's some things that work for us, don't work for other people. And, you know, I never want to be the one judging and I never want to be the, uh, the one telling other people how to do things unless they're coming to me for advice. And then even in that case, you know, I don't give advice like, hey, you should do this. I will literally say like, hey, here's what we're doing. Here's how it's working. Take from it what you will. Parenting is is a really funky thing. A lot of the times the, the kids come out pre-programmed 
and you don't, you know, you just, you kind of get what you get and you, you can shape them and mold them and, and to some degree only do so much. And so it's really about the kids and fostering, you know, who they are and less about, you know, trying to make them something that you think they should be and, and pushing that on them. And, you know, I, my, my, my personal philosophy is I don't think the parent hacking book would, would be, you know, something that I'll write in the future. Fair, fair. Uh, too, too much nuance in that one. Um, yeah. Let's take a quick journey through our quick time machine. Look back at 2022. Got some numbers. We shared it in our LP update. You can go check them out uh, on LinkedIn as well. But it's pretty cool to look back. So we had 110 new go-to-market leaders join as either LPs or members in the fund. Our growth in capital continues to you know skyrocket. We started 21 with 5.9 mil. We then went to 15.1 mil. With 23 and 24, we're going to 50 mil. Pretty crazy evolution to see. Um, we had 250 LP introductions to portfolio companies. That one's huge. That one's one I'm super proud of. Portfolio company fundraising intros to VCs. So this is portfolio companies that are looking to get their next round done. We had that at 155 plus. We had 475 plus portfolio company intros to candidates. These are people that can move the needle, build teams, first sales hire, first marketing hire, uh, pretty cool stuff. And the total network intros for our founders was over a thousand. And we actually had eight of our LPs who joined portfolio companies uh, as operators to either run revenue or run marketing. And our social footprint has now passed 7,000 followers. Our newsletter has been read over 20,000 times, 20,000 times now, which is cool. And 10,000 listens on our podcast, this podcast we're recording. Hearing all that, what are you most proud of? There's a lot to be proud of. You know, I think in two short years, especially in a year where things have been really tough in the markets, you know, we've been able to get some amazing LPs to join us. Um, we had some institutions join as well. It's still amazing to see, you know, what we've been able to raise and who we've been able to, to get join us from, you know, that, that side. Obviously, like VC is kind of a two-sided marketplace. You've got your LPs, your investors, and you've got the companies that you invest in. So on the LP and investment side, you know, really proud of, of that. I think, you know, it's, it's a, a testament to the work that we've done to scale ourselves. You know, you were saying before you can't take every phone call with people who message you and that we have to prioritize that. And you're absolutely right. But I think we've done a great job building infrastructure between Paul and now Sarah, some VAs in the Philippines and other folks, and then obviously our, our tech infrastructure, our tech stack. We've done a great job scaling ourselves and allowing, you know, look, uh, the number one question I get is, well, how do you scale the LP to portfolio company, you know, relationship? And I think we've done a phenomenal job at that. I think if you ask any of our portfolio companies, I mean, we've got a ton of them that have been either strong references or unsolicited posts on our on our LinkedIn posts or something like that. It's like, oh, we love working with the GTM fund, you know, best check-in, stuff like that. So I think that's that's been pretty amazing. And then, you know, the shout-outs, the, the metric that we use for the shout-outs in the uh, LP updates is another one. And then portfolio companies that we've been able to get access to, it's been pretty cool as well. So, yeah, proud, proud of the whole thing. Um, it's uh, It's been a wild ride. I had no idea that this is what it was going to end up being when we started in uh, late 2020, early 21, but, you know, here we are. I get a lot of questions from, you know, our, our current LPs who are resubscribing to the new fund and a lot of people that we're, we're talking to that will be net new LPs. 
All right, looking forward to 23 and 24. What are you seeing as sort of trends? What is your gut telling you? What are you hearing out there? What are you reading? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, 2022 was, a, was a, a tough year. I think, you know, the market's kind of shut down to, to tech IPOs. Funding dried up uh, quite a bit. You know, the, the theme of the day was, you know, Fed rate, inflation, things like that. And we went from quiet quitting and the great resignation to, you know, layoffs. And so I think 2023, you're going to start seeing, you know, a lot more of layoffs. Unemployment is probably going to be the, the theme, whereas this year was on inflation, next year unemployment. And it's tough. It sucks. I don't want, I don't want to say that. I don't want to believe that. I don't want that to be the, the reality. But it's usually a domino effect with this type of stuff. And I was, you know, out with somebody the other day and they were like, oh, well, I, I think it's very tech-centered. I think the layoffs are tech-centered. I think other industries are doing just fine. And, you know, that's how it usually happens. You know, the, there's tech is a very wealthy, it does well. Uh, you know, their, their pay, their, their salary per employee is, is on the higher side. And when Facebook lays off 10,000 people, what do you think happens? Those people stop buying new cars. Those people stop going on, you know, vacations, things like that. It affects hospitality. It affects manufacturing. It affects, you know, all these other industries that then will have to lay people off if they need to make less cars, if they need to, they're not booking as many rooms, people aren't flying as many planes, things like that. So, uh, you know, I do think that 2023 is is set up to be a uh, another, you know, rough year. I do think we'll come out the other side in 2024, we'll reset. Um, some things need to be reset. You know, it's time for that. Um, you know, I hope people don't suffer you know, too much through it. You know, my advice to everybody is, is to make yourself indispensable and to just chop wood, carry water is the expression. Keep your head down, you know, do the best work you possibly can, make yourself indispensable, grow your network, uh, showcase your talents. LinkedIn's a great platform for that. And, you know, we're going to have to ride this wave out, uh, you know, all together. So I think it's a great time for builders. If you can start working on something, if you can, uh, you know, raise a seed round, raise some angel investment, some of the best companies are built in tough times like this. And I think the demands of scaling revenue and revenue fast, and all that type of stuff has kind of gone out the window and allows the builders sometimes to really sit down and focus on, you know, building an enduring product and not something that's just going to be, you know, quick pop. And then, you know, we realize it doesn't have product market fit after it's raised 10 million bucks. You know, it's like, the, here's something that, you know, you can actually take your time and build an enduring product. So I think if you're, if you want to start something, you know, this year is a great time to do it. And I think there's a lot of dry powder, you know, on the sidelines. I think investment will come back, you know, in a big way in 2024 and beyond. I think you'll see the IPO window open towards the end of, the, of 2023, maybe, you know, into 2024, but definitely in 2024, we'll, we'll, we'll get open back up there. So, you know, that that's seems to be the, the, the trending kind of way of, of, of thinking right now, but, uh, We'll see lots can happen. Yeah, last few years has proved didn't expect COVID, didn't expect, you know, war. It's been pretty insane with some of the the, the current events. And, uh, you know, who knows what we'll get this year. Hopefully it's a pretty quiet one. Mm -hmm. knock. knock on wood. Chop wood, carry water, and then knock on that wood. Um, <laughs> I, heard, I heard this, where I heard it, but there's 600 companies waiting to go IPO right now. Which and is the line only gets longer. The line is not a line that is based on, you know, Oh, I was in line first. The line is based on who's got the best metrics. Like if you're going public at the same time and you're at you're burning cash and you're at thirty percent growth and you're going public at the same time as a company that's break even and growing at you know sixty percent, 
who's going to buy your stock when they could buy that one, right? I mean, like at a certain point, it's tough to go out against some of these companies and there's only so much appetite for, you know, tech, tech stocks on the public market. So I think we'll see some consolidation. I'll th- I think we'll see some of uh, the uh, Toma Bravos and the Vistas and the private equity firms, um, you know, buy up some companies and, you know, get them back to a, a better place as you're seeing with the most recent Toma Bravo Coupa acquisition and some of the other ones. But yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. For sure. It's going to be an interesting on-ramp to see where, where that all goes. I agree that 24, maybe we'll see that on-ramp appear again, but it's going to be slow, slow getting on the, the highway back to the yeah. public markets. Yeah. Cool, brother. Well, good catching up. I appreciate you. For all those listeners, if you want to dive deeper into the fund performance of last year and some of our plans, as well as some deal highlights, we actually dissected a few of the deals we did last year, which is uh, pretty cool. You can check that out on GTM Fund's LinkedIn page. Uh, We did a full write-up. And as always, we'll be live every Tuesday with new episodes. We've got some great guests lined up. And make sure you check out the GTM newsletter if you haven't subscribed already dropping every Friday and we'll be back with my man Max on the first Thursday of next month. We'll see you then. Awesome.